Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. But I have come up with a, a new hunger and a, a new craving to see the things of God. Anybody noticed that the world does not have any good news to offer you right now? Anybody? I mean, seriously, these days, I'm just like, I, I am almost completely off Facebook, except that I love to see your faces. So that's literally my thing as I'm just like creeping everybody's pictures and whatever. But other than that, I'm like, I can't even handle this anymore. I'm turning off everything um, external at this point because it is exhausting. It is exhausting trying to navigate what is out there and figure out what it is that God has for us. Because what I know for sure is that God's people are meant to be different. It doesn't mean that we don't go through the same things as everybody. It doesn't mean that we're not dealing with the same reality. The same, you know, things like inflation, that applies to everybody, except that there is such a thing as kingdom economy. And so we have to find a way to deal with that. I know that there's medical issues that are going on, but there also is such a thing as kingdom health. I know that there's confusion and there's, there's mental issues everywhere, but there is the mind of Christ that we have access to, right? So there's some stuff that we have to shift into. And Proverbs 9.10 has this, this verse uh, that says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And it's such a weird verse because in that verse we hear wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And they're all just blown together in this, you know, one sentence kind of thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And essentially what it means is that there is a flow, that there, there is a, a slight difference between wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, but they all connect through God. And so what we know for sure is that knowledge is beneficial. We need knowledge. If you know nothing, everybody around you knows it. Come on, now that... <laughs> if you know nothing, everybody around you knows it. If you know a lot, but you don't apply, apply it, everyone around you knows it. You're, you become that person that everybody can't stand to talk to because the know-it-alls that don't live it out are exhausting. The people who know everything. There, there's a, um, a statement that says something like this. The scripture that you know is not nearly as relevant as the scripture that you live. I can know a lot, but if I don't actually apply it, it does nothing for me. In fact, it actually probably compromises me. It compromises my ability to live in the fullness of God. So what happens is knowledge has to meet understanding, which then apply, it, it leads us to the place where we apply it, which becomes wisdom. Wisdom is applied knowledge. It's the place where what we know is actually applied and functioning in our life. So this understanding place in the middle is the revelation of heaven. It's when the Holy Spirit puts his finger on something and he highlights it and you're like, no kidding, that's how it works. Like when Melody says this morning, she's talking about tithes and offerings. We do not speak about finances in this house because we're like, yay, there's more people here to suck the money out of you. That's not what we think. It's biblically, there is a God principle on finance that those who actually speak about it and are excited about it are living it. 
It's a reality. They have applied it. And so that wisdom is transforming their lives. This is what God's calling us into. And so what we've got right now is this crossover in our current culture. The world in general is, is quite depraved, quite wrong, quite, quite broken, quite damaged. And yet it's the popular opinions of the world that tend to bleed into the church and cause us confusion when we read the word. But here's the thing, not that long ago, the world believed in slavery. In fact, churches taught it. Does that make it right? No, we can be very convinced. It can be a very popular opinion and it can be very wrong. That there are things all through world history where we've seen very nice people with a very common consensus be astro astronomically wrong according to what the, world, the word of God actually says. We know that the, the, the world isn't actually flat, for instance. People used to be scared that if you sailed far enough, you would fall off the edge. Can you imagine? But now we know that that's not the thing. But everybody agreed it. The first people that said that they didn't think that that was the case based on actual scripture were considered heretics. They were considered crazy. And so now we know some stuff. Well, the word of God is absolute truth. It just is. If you don't think so, you're probably in the wrong place because it, it is absolute truth. And all through history, we can see the prophetic words of God. We can see the documented uh, things in the Bible proven out over and over and over again. So if this is the absolute and my experiences are not matching up to it. It means my experiences need to change. It means how I think needs to change. And so we're living in this, this current situation. I mean, have you ever, have you ever thought that you would live in a time where the public opinion of, of gender, of, um, you know, identity, of how you're made, that, that because common consensus believes a certain thing, that we all, as humanity, would shift our understanding of it. Did, did you ever think that? Did you ever think that we could go, you know, health-wise, some of the stuff that's gone on in these last couple of years, that the common consensus or the loudest voices could convince enough people that it would suddenly change everybody's thought programs? Every, everybody would think something is different than it, it, it is. We have learned to be a people whose opinions matter more than anything else. I can think something. I know I'm right. I will say I'm right to everybody who will listen, and even those who won't listen. I'll tell everybody. I'll put it on all of my social stuff. I'll share it. I'll find other people who share my opinion, like Sheldon said about the criticism from the, the backbenchers. You know, I'll find all the people who agree with my opinion, and we'll try and get loud enough to change your opinion, and we're all just going to try and make the whole world share our opinion. What an exhausting pursuit. God doesn't engage in that. He's just like, this is truth. Take it or leave it. I believe that's what God's calling us to focus on. What is truth? What is real? What is the, the place he's calling us into? Proverbs 18, 17 says, a matter seems right until we hear the examination. Some translations say, a matter seems right until I hear the other side. 
Anybody who's done any kind of counseling or whatever, you know that. You can, you can hear somebody's story and you be all like, oh, I can't believe that. And then you hear the other person, you're like, wow, okay. So it wasn't as it was first presented to me. We are, we are accustomed to navigating and changing and moving based on opinions. If you just pause for a minute and think, how liberating is it to find an absolute the exhaustion of the convincing and the changing and the, to find an absolute. God has called us to that. We are wired for that. We are designed to sit in his absolute truth. He's calling us to that place. So the issue is <clears throat> we've got this world view that the absolute best government is democracy. And honestly, based on fallout, on harm done to people, the issues that, that folks face, uh, democracy is actually a gift. It's compared to a lot of other things, compared to, you know, communism and fascism and, you know, all the stuff that goes on, uh, dictatorships. Uh, democracy is a beautiful thing. However, it's based on the common opinions of man. So as long as most of us agree, that becomes the dominant rule. Whatever we, we all agree on, whatever most of us agree on, it overrules the, the, the you know, decisions, thoughts, plans, whatever, of the minority, correct? So what happens when we're living in a, a place and time when Christianity is the minority? Democracy currently is legislating and legalizing and demonizing some of the stuff that is biblical truth. What I'm confident is that God's not going to change his mind because the majority thinks something else. God's not taking a vote and going, well, if most people want it to be that way, that's going to be how it must be then. You know? No, God is absolute. So we have to figure out how to live in the kingdom while we live in this democracy. How we function in the kingdom, how we function under the rule of our king while we live in this democracy. And we have to understand that democracy is just man's best efforts, but a kingdom ruled by a righteous king is actually God's ultimate design. It's not talking about the earth, it's talking about the kingdom of heaven. God is not a uh, democratic philosophy, he is the king of glory. He alone rules the kingdom forever. Romans eleven thirty six says, for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory and honor forever. For of him and through him and to him are all things. Mel mentioned this already. If it's all from him, if it's all of him, if it's all to him, it makes sense that I stop asking earthly systems how to be and I get wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. How do I navigate this life? How do I live in joy? How do I function in the things that God has for me? I have to make God my primary pursuit, period. This means actually stepping away from a lot of other stuff. It means, you know, shutting down some of the voices that are there to try and convince you to come to the other side and saying, I have decided that this is my absolute truth, that God is the absolute ruler and I am absolutely submitted to him. Therefore, I choose to go after him for wisdom. 
I go after him for understanding. I lean into the word for knowledge. I decide to live in him. And it changes everything. The democracy says the decision of the majority will determine the reality for all. The kingdom says the king is the majority all by himself. He is the majority. What he says is. So we're going to navigate through this over the next couple of weeks and months, and it is going to be fun. I believe God is going to reveal to us. I can give us knowledge. We can, we can dig out scripture and we can find knowledge, but I believe the Holy Spirit is going to ignite revelation, and it is going to become wisdom in our lives, and there will be transformation in how we experience the world, how we experience life, how we experience marriage, how we experience finance, how we experience joy. I believe there's a shift that God's prepared for us. This moment, God is calling us to shift past our rights and shift into what is right. It's quite different. He's calling us to fix, fixate on what is right. He's calling us to turn away from our preferences, our privileges, and our personal wish lists. Let me say that again. He is calling us to turn away from our preferences, our privileges, and our personal wish lists. And he's asking us to literally come into praying, saying, living, and believing, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's a good king. He's a good king. He, he, he is, you know, full. The word tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from him. And yet we have this thing because we're raised in democracy or we're raised in some kind of an earthly system that tells us, my opinion though, my opinion matters. What I like matters. What I want matters. What most people have matters. What most people think matters. But every good gift comes from him. So I'm going to turn away from what is my preference, my privilege, and my personal wishes. And I'm going to begin to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. The Apostle Paul puts it this way, Colossians 3, 2 to 4. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. This is like the most simple profound bit of wisdom for this moment in history. Honestly, the things of the world, the things of the earth will suck you dry right now. It is designed to pull you under. It is designed to pull you over. It's designed to convince you, change your thinking, change your mind, change your processes, change everything. But it can't promise you any kind of an outcome. Have you ever noticed, like even in the political sphere, they're, they're you know, the promises that happen during election time. That the, like 12 minutes after the vote happens, people couldn't care less. They don't, they don't, oh, did I say that? Did I promise that? No, I don't, I don't remember saying that. I don't feel like that was, I don't think that that was an election platform promise. I don't think that was just more just discussion. They want your vote until they have your vote and then they don't care. I, I'm, I'm not, you know, not down on politicians. We've got some awesome ones. Um, Locally, I'm just saying the systems of the earth are designed that way. Get into a position of power so that you can lead well. The kingdom of God says get low and serve well. 
It's the opposite. It's, it's, it's about coming into that place of submission to the higher voice. The best politicians are the ones who know that and live for the audience of one, not the populace. It's the people who know that there is a king who's still king of kings and lord of lords and even over earthly governments. And so God is calling us in this thing. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. Matthew 6, 27 and 33, and we're going to read it in the New Living Translation. This is Jesus actually talking. And he's talking about earthly experiences. What I love about God and I love about the gospel story is that Jesus actually lived it here on the earth as one of us. He experienced, you know, nasty people. He experienced people lying to him. He experienced people cheating him. He experienced people talking poorly of him. He experienced the religious people actually trying to trick him, trying to, trying to trip him up. He experienced people trying to tell him uh, he wasn't who he really was. He experienced people wanting stuff from him that he couldn't give. He experienced it all. You know, even when his mother came and she was like, you need to do something about this wedding. He's like, it's not my time. You know, he did cave for her because mama's, you know, that's a, that's a thing. But, you know, Jesus experienced what it's like. God knows our experience and it didn't change his mind. Didn't change what is real. So Matthew 6, 27 to 33, New Living Translation, can't... Uh, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, and what will we drink, and what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Some of us today would have to say these things dominate my thoughts as well. Okay. Then the king is calling us into a different revelation of the kingdom. He's calling us into, if this is what is dominating our thoughts, he is telling us there is a better way to think. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Isn't that good? He's, he's not saying it doesn't matter. He's saying it's peripheral. It's, it's obviously the father knows what you need. He already knows what is the, the practicalities of life. That's just a side thing. The New King James Version says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He's saying that when we seek the kingdom first, earthly things become the product, not the pursuit. When we seek the kingdom first, Earthly things become the product and not the pursuit. It's not one or the other that we have. It's not because we focus on the things of God, we're not going to have any of the other natural things of life. God's just saying, like, it's just a, it's a byproduct. It's, it's, it's something that is an obvious thing. It's my, my knowledge of you, my knowledge of life will provide for you, but I want you to seek me first. So God's calling us into this place Luke's version of it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. 
Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God, what do I have to do to just tip your hand? I don't know what it's, I just don't know what it's going to take. Maybe I didn't fast long enough. Maybe I didn't pray hard enough. Maybe I'm just too sinful. No, God wants to give us the good things of the kingdom. But when we're seeking the things, we miss the access point. God's saying, I want to be the focus. I want to be the focus of how you live your life. And it is my good pleasure to give you the keys of the kingdom. It's my good pleasure to give you the good things of the kingdom. He gave us all that is necessary. We just have problems accessing it sometimes. I believe it's because our mind is so caught on the earthly stuff that we miss the, the windows. We miss the places. We miss the house of it. We're so stuck on the earthly systems that we miss the heavenly realities. God's calling us into this. He says straight up in this passage that our assignment, our role, can you imagine going into the new year? My number one assignment, according to this, is to not worry. That's like a full-time job, you know, for some of us, right? No, don't worry about these things. Don't worry. Okay, well, what do I do? Because I can't just not worry. I can't not think about it. I can't not stress. I can't, I can't just not. No, you replace it. You, you stop worrying. He's saying, do not be anxious. Do not worry. Seek first the kingdom and seek his righteousness. In other words, you're going to seek the kingdom, which is central on a king. We'll get to that in a minute. And you're going to seek his righteousness or what is right in his eyes. In other words, I'm going to stop worrying. Do you know that every time you go to the pantry and find it a little empty, it's not getting fuller just because you open the door? That's not changing anything, right? Every time, I mean, I literally, I, I say it kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it, the truth is I, I really believe I like messed up my own mind with sheer worry. When we were uh, newly married, we had a couple little kids and we were going through some extreme financial problems. And that was back in the day when you actually had, you know, you couldn't check your bank account online and whatever, you waited for the bank statement and the, you know, whatever. But I, I could tell you on any given day, we had a business, we had, you know, a couple different streams of income, none of them all put together were enough really. But I could tell you at any time, down to the penny, what we had available, how much we were, you know, down, how much debt we were going to pay, you know, in interest that month, what it would take to get us out. You know, I could, I, I could tell you why, because I would sit there with the adding machine with the paper, because I don't know why it helped to see it. Um, I would process our financial situation all day, every day, all day, every day, worry about it, scheme over it, you know, fuss and fret about it, you know, and nothing changed. Nothing changed from 9 a.m. till 3 o'clock in the afternoon when I did it again, but it did deplete my mind. It did give anxiety a place to take root. It did give fear a place to, to build a home, and it did cost me my sanity for a season. I mean, I have chunks of time, I've said this before, I have chunks of time that I don't remember at all. I have, you know, days where I, I could not get out of my pajamas for a week at a time. Oddly enough, I could put on a game face, come to church on a Sunday, fake it, go home and veg out for the, the rest of the next week, worrying, 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 nothing changed. But you know, God never abandoned us. 
He never failed us. He always met our needs and it always came from some unexpected place. It always was the provision of God that it was undeniably him and not us. So what good did it do to sit and stew about it? None. What changed for me was I actually had a revelation. Um, I was at a women's meeting and I, I didn't know what was going on. Now we would call it just depression and anxiety. But back then they weren't really talking about it much. And I didn't know what it was I was needing help for, but they were doing a prayer line for healing. And I went up and I just said, I don't know what's the matter with me, but something's wrong with my head. So I, you know, if God could heal that, that would be great. And I remember the, the lady who prayed for me said, I just think you need to get into the word. And I was like, uh, you have no idea what you're talking about. I could read all day and not remember one word that I read. I, I mean, I'm not going to ask you for a show of hands, but I know a lot of you have experienced this, where you, you can read a paragraph, you can read a page, and it's like, phew, you can't comprehend because your mind is so broken. But oddly enough, I committed to doing it. I committed to just sitting in the word and reading. And so I went through John, which if you're a new believer, John is always the best place to start because it's just the love of God. And I began to just marinate in the word. And literally, it was two weeks for me. I know that's unusual for some people. It's a longer process. Some people, it's immediate. But in two weeks, I remember going outside and I could see colors. I remember looking and there was bulbs coming up in our flower beds and I remember going, there is color. And it was like shocking to me because everything had been gray for such a long season. What changed my mind? The word, the truth, the love of God being poured out. I believe it's possible I could have, if I'd never gotten into the word, it could have been a whole different end game for me. I was um, suicidal. I was having thoughts of how I could end it, what it would take. You know, I, I had convinced myself my children would be better off without me. My husband would be better off without me. I mean, I'm not talking I had a bad day. Some of you are in this right now. I am telling you, it is time for us to consciously shift our thinking from one kingdom to another. There is the kingdoms of this world that will lead you to death and destruction and despair. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we would have life and life abundantly. And God wants to release the abundant life. This is what he's calling us into. It's the place where it's not just to be a good Christian, you should read the Bible. No, to understand what he's already paid for. Figure it out. Read the book. Find out what is included in this kingdom that he's called us to. Set our mind on things above. He tells us to seek first the kingdom. The word there, seek, means to worship, to be about, to desire, to inquire after, to require. I require the kingdom. I require his rulership. I require what it is that he says is right and what he says is wrong. I require his voice. I require his counsel. I require wisdom. I'm pursuing that. I'm setting my mind to this. So let's break it down a little bit so we can understand. This is going to be so fun, you guys. What we're going to do as we go through the months ahead is when there's a different topic, um, we're going to give you, as, uh, along with the teaching, um, like a book recommendation. Like here's a, here's a really good book that we feel on this topic, so you can download it or, you know, whatever. We'll have some available at the book table. But I believe God is wanting to set his people 
free, for us to walk in the fullness of this. So we need to understand some of the core stuff. For instance, what is a kingdom? What is a kingdom? According to Merriam-Webster, this is so not helpful. Let me give you the earthly definition. A politically organized community or major territorial unit having a monarchical form of government headed by a king or a queen. Don't you feel equipped by that? Let me give you Dr. Miles Monroe's version, which is much more accurate. A kingdom is a governing influence of a king over his territory, impacting it with his will, his purpose, and his intentions, producing a citizenry of people who express his culture and reflect his nature. Yes, yeah, so let's just leave that up there for a minute. A kingdom is a governing influence of a king over his territory, impacting it with his will, his purpose, and his intentions, producing a citizenry of people who express his culture and reflect his nature. In other words, everywhere the king rules, it should look like him, feel like him, sound like him, function like him. It's going to have a feel to it. It's the, the thing that happened when the British Empire kind of went across the world and, you know, began to dominate. It's why people in places all over the world, you know, <clears throat> live the British lifestyle, even though they've never been there. They talk that way. You know, we were, Wayne and I were talking about how when we were in elementary school, every morning we started with God save the queen. We never met the queen. The queen was on our money and she was on our wall, but she was influencing how we started our day. She was the beginning point of, of how things functioned here. We were under that rulership. It means that as Christians, we're not trying to propose or, or to live out a religion or a belief system. We're reflecting the king. We're reflecting the king. And the king is not concerned. The king is not in fear. The king is not worried about running out. The king is not angered. The king is not, you know, stressed. The king is not worried about timelines and limitations. The king that we serve, the kingdom that we are part of, is abundant. It is blessed. It is the head and not the tail. It is above only and not beneath. It is blessed coming in and going out. It is a different kind of kingdom. That's what God's opening up for us. So this is what a kingdom actually is. It's the king's purposes, his will, his intentions, his culture, and his nature. If you meet me, and I'm living kingdom, you should have a good feel for who God is. I can't say that that's always the case right now. But um, I hope to get there. I hope you hope to get there too. Where people meet you and they experience the goodness of God, the graciousness of God, the kindness of God, the mercy of God, the compassion of God, the forgiveness of God, the wisdom of God. The place where when you, you bump into the end of yourself, you know, and you're looking for an answer, you go and you look for a believer because you know they'll have wisdom. But if the church is caught thinking in the earthly realm, functioning in the earthly realm, desiring the earthly realm, pursuing the earthly realm, we have nothing to offer. We need a lifeline, let alone offering the lifeline. But God is calling us higher. 
Some of you are, you know, new believers. We've got actually a lot in this church right now. Maybe you're watching online and you're brand new to this. One of the things that I love about the gospel, gospels like the first four books of the New Testament, when Jesus was on the earth and we see people, we, we see like Peter go from being a loudmouth, aggressive fisherman to like leading the church through a global campaign kind of thing, right? You see Paul, who's like this freaked out, you know, religious guy who's just like killing Christians because he thinks it's right to absolutely switching and going the other direction. We see prostitutes that are healed. We see people who are dead coming back to life, right? And the entire thing happens in just a few years. It's not, it's not like a bad thing to, I'm a new believer. Well, guess what? If you've been saved for two, three, four weeks, you are in the kingdom. Let us show you what's included in this thing. The king of glory has your number. And, and some of us have been saved 20, 30, 40 years and not living in the kingdom. Living in the, the lie of the earthly realm and trying to get God to add a little joy to it. And instead God's saying, no, I need to be the everything on the inside that you live out of. You live in this world, but I am in you. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Come on. It's time for a change. It's time for something new. So what is the kingdom of God then? If a kingdom is about a king living out his life in, in the people around him, what is the kingdom of God? Well, John 18, 36, Jesus is standing before Pilate, and Jesus answered, because Pilate had asked him, are you a king? And Jesus answered, and he said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Jesus is a king, was a king while he was on the earth, but he said, my kingdom is not from here. Here's the news flash. Neither are you. Think about it for a minute. You have life because he gave you life. You have breath because he gave you breath. You have a hope because you know that there's an eternal home that you're returning to. There is eternity hidden in your hearts. The kingdom that you are called to belong to, and as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a Jesus follower, this is not your kingdom either. And so Jesus led the way for us on this. So he's talking about this kingdom of heaven that's manifesting on the earth. And so there's a little bit of confusion because there's the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Essentially, it's the same thing. Matthew is the only book that mentions the kingdom of heaven, just for your reference. Um, and the same uh, passages that are translated into the other gospels, it's, it's always the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of heaven is not from here, and we are not from here. The kingdom operates here, and we operate here. But we operate here under kingdom rules from there. So if I was to say to you, you know, and, and the joke at the beginning. This is what we say, the kingdom come. You know, I'll blow you to kingdom come. What does that mean? Out of this world. It means I'll blow you to another place. I'm from another place. You are from another place. But when I pray and Jesus told us to, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, I want to experience here what's going on there. 
I want to live here out of the fullness of what you've designed there. I want to experience here the provision of there. There's something there that I have access to because I'm from there. God has connected me with there. Jesus came here so that we could know and become citizens of there. We can, we can subscribe to that. It's interesting. We've got so many people in this church who have become Canadian citizens, which we love. I love that God sends people from all over the world here. But when you take your citizen, I mean, I was talking to maybe Jonathan, somebody who was just doing the citizen um, exam, citizenship exam. And I'm like, I don't even know the answers to those questions. Like, who, who was our 13th prime minister? You know, whatever. I don't, I don't know how any of that works. What I thought was interesting was that because the new people are coming in and they're studying it, they can apply better than those of us who grew up in it and never bothered. The same truth is there, but they are on purpose learning it. Are you with me? Some of us have grown up in church and never bothered to find out how the kingdom works. We didn't bother to find out the history. We didn't find, bother to find out the future. And we didn't bother to figure out how the laws work in the meantime. And so we don't make use of it. Some of our immigrants are far better than those who were born in this country at actually applying things like the financial laws of this nation, making use of grants and government funding for different things. Because the rest of us are like, we'll figure it out. And we're too arrogant to ask the questions. Well, kingdom of God, let's ask the questions. If I don't know an answer, instead of just faking it, because well, I've been a Christian for far too long. I mean, if you have some serious questions, take Pastor George's foundations class. Honestly, if we don't have the right stones in the beginning of our, our building, it's not stable. So we want to know what it is that this says. So the kingdom of God is his way of doing things. It's, it's what is happening in the heavenly realm. So the kingdom of heaven obviously lines up with what a kingdom is. So the kingdom has a king. The king is central to everything. So when we say, when the Bible says, seek first the kingdom, it implies the king. If I'm seeking first the kingdom, I'm going after who the king is. The kingdom of heaven has a king. <clears throat> it has a system of government. It has a code of ethics. It has a legal framework. These are the things that you'll find in any kingdom, right? It has a king. It has a system of government. It has a code of ethics. It has a legal framework. It has an economy. It has a purpose, and it has a culture. This is what we've stepped into. We did not join Christianity. We did not. I mean, a lot of us lately, you've been, you know, filling out forms or whatever, and it's like, what's your religious standing? What's your, you know, whatever. I signed a couple marriage licenses. Uh, what's your denomination? What's you, they, we want a classification of faith because that's the natural realm. The kingdom realm is I'm all about the king. I want to live in his system of government. I want to live by his code of ethics. I want to live in his legal framework. I want to function off of his economy. I want to know his purposes. And I want to experience and live out his culture. If you would have loved to be around Jesus, when you're watching the Chosen series, and you're like, oh man, I would love to be one of those guys following him around. I just love, I, lo I love his personality. And I mean, of course, that's an artistic add-on. But based on the scripture, we know that Jesus was somebody that drew a crowd. 
Don't you want to live there? Don't you want to be that kind of person? Because Jesus on the inside of me should be that kind of person that, that isn't overwhelmed by somebody's brokenness, but goes, there's an answer for that. Let's talk about healing. Let's talk about restoration. Somebody who's not overwhelmed by the financial tag on something, but says, you know what? The father can provide that. If it's his plan and it's his purposes, let's do it. Let, let's step out. You know, why is it that we have the, we, we like love God and you're in charge of everything and you're the king of glory, but I'm going to put you in my box. I'm going to wait to classify it as some sort of level. You know, I'm middle income, low income, high income, whatever. No, I'm kingdom income, which means there's always enough. The word tells me that if I'm operating in God's kingdom finance, I have enough bread for eating, I have enough seed for sowing, and I have enough over above to give to every good work. That's kingdom. That's kingdom economy. That is not the beggar's men mentality that we're trained to live with here in this realm. God is calling his church higher. He's calling us to think like a king would think. So finally, then three today, we're going to hit this. How does the kingdom apply to me? An understanding of the kingdom removes the wrongful packaging of religion and puts God back in his rightful spot of rulership. It removes the packaging of religion and puts God back in his rightful spot of rulership. You do not say to a king, no, thank you. I don't feel comfortable with that. You say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know that if the king is sending you on assignment, it's his job to supply it. You know he's made a way for you. The word tells us that his, a man's gifts make way for him and brings him before great men. Where do the gifts come from? Well, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. So if he's put a gift in me, it's so that it will open doors to the places that he wants me to go. Earthly thinking is like, well, I'm not educated enough for that. I don't have enough influence. I don't know the right people. I don't have the right connections. The kingdom says, if I'm sending you, I'll make a way. Your job is to say yes. That's amazing. That is, a, that is like a, such a radical shift of thought. It takes the religion out of it and the I'm not good enough. Here's the news flash. None of us are. If we're going through that, that filter of what is good and what is pure and what is holy, we all suck. <laughs> I mean, for real. But if we go by his righteousness and the fact that the blood of Jesus washes us and cleanses us, that he restores us, that he heals us, that he, we can have lived 30 years of hell and three months of heaven and God sees us through heaven. It's God sees us through his lens, through the blood of Jesus, through the opportunities that heaven has already supplied for us. We need to think this way. We need to understand we're not begging for the, the favor of heaven. We have it as long as we're in his will, as long as we're living under the rulership of the king and his plans and his purposes and his design. I tell you, there's not a person in this room who doesn't have more in them than they think. Not a person. Everyone, you might, you might be like, I, I really think I could do great things. God thinks higher than that. What God has put in you is a seed of him. 
It's a seed of greatness. It's, a, it's something that reflects his nature, his heart, the counsel of heaven, the wisdom of heaven. It's why, you know, when Peter and John went to the temple, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Wouldn't that be awesome? Most of us will stop right now and go, oh, silver and gold I don't have. Part B of the sentence is, but what I have, I give you. What is that? It's kingdom. It's kingdom thinking. I don't have much, but man, the king sure does. And there is a bottomless account there. I'm operating out of his system. I'm operating from there. Luke 17, 20 to 21. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. In other words, there's not going to be some big royal parade. We're not going to have flags and fanfare. It's not, you know, this obvious earthly thing. It does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For the kingdom of God is within you. Some translations say the kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is not in the eternal realm that we're waiting to get to. I mean, it's there, but we get to draw from it here. I can tell you if I'm in like, you know, wh wherever, China or something, I get arrested. I am waving my Canadian passport and I'm saying you need to contact my government officials. I am not from here. I do not have to live by these regulations. You don't get to lock me up and throw away the key because I have a government that's got my back. The kingdom of God says I belong to another system that even though the things around this world are real and they're hard and they're broken and increasingly so, I can live victorious. I can live kind. I can live gracious. I can live generously. I can live with dreams and visions and passion and purpose. I don't have despair. I have hope. Hope that does not disappoint. It's built into my kingdom citizenship. Because of this, we know that the kingdom of God is about the presence of God, the power of God, the authority of God, and the preeminence of God. I don't get to fully experience the kingdom of God if I don't identify with the kingdom of God. If I don't choose to allow him to have authority in my life, I don't choose to allow him to govern my life. I don't choose to live by his laws or his principles. I don't choose, you know, what, what happens when we do have people that end up being imprisoned in other places, Mexico or whatever, you know, you were bringing drugs across the border. Not a lot we can do about that. When you chose to live in a way that is of that system, there's not a lot this system can do to help you. God is going to call some of us into places of freedom that we've never experienced before. Deliverance from addictions, from bondages, from harmful patterns, from harmful systems that have become a lifestyle, relationships that are toxic and damaging, belief systems that are pulling us down and, and pulling everybody else around us down because it's what's coming out of our mouth. God is setting us into a place where we are liberated to be liberators, where we literally say, well, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me. And then we begin to live the kingdom A.W. Tozer said, I am not afraid of the devil. He can't handle the one to whom I'm joined. 
Come on now. I am not afraid of the devil. He cannot handle the one to whom I'm joined. That's kingdom. You might not be scared of me, but you better be scared of my God if you think you're going to mess with me. You might not think I'm all that, but you better know that the one whom I'm connected to is all that. You might not think I have what it takes, but you better know he has what it takes, and I'm submitted to him. There is something on the inside that's rising up to experience the fullness of what God's got for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 15 to 17. I'll have the worship team come. It says, He died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves. See that sentence right there, that says it all. He died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There's some old stuff that's going to get shed in this season. There's some old identities, some old belief systems, some old bondages, some old lies, some old accusations. It's going to go. Because behold, all things have become new. And I believe God is equipping a group of people who will love him completely, pursue him boldly, who will go into the places that he sends under the instructions that he gives, the provision that he offers, the anointing that he releases. And we're going to see some things happen. I believe as we prepare ourselves for Easter this year, you know, when we come into that celebration of the one who died and gave it all for this, we're going to celebrate from a different level. We're going to celebrate from a different place. I, I think about that, you know, when you, when you consider those who were in that upper room, book of Acts. They weren't the same people they'd been months before. They weren't the same people they'd been maybe two, three years before. They were different. And they were about to be empowered and commissioned to live out the kingdom. Even though the king was leaving this earth in bodily form, the Holy Spirit came upon them and he dwelt in them, which meant that everywhere they went, they carried the king and they carried the kingdom. Do you think they thought, gosh, I wish I could go back to being a prostitute. Sort of feels like a letdown. You know, yeah, it was really cool that that guy was totally healed and that guy was raised from the dead, but man, fishing. Love to go back fishing. It'd be fun. Love just worrying about taxes and, you know, early morning tides. And No, they didn't think that. They'd experienced the king of glory and the king of glory had become resident in them. And they were walking around going, oh my goodness, we actually saw Jesus die. He was raised from the, we saw him with the holes in his hands and the, the hole in his side. We saw him come back from the dead. We saw him leave and we now have that same spirit living in us. I believe they were like, what's possible? I believe that's the experience that we are about to have. That God's stirring up on the inside of us, what is possible? What is possible? That our minds begin to drift a little bit into the things that we read in the word and we go, what's possible? We don't read it and go, well, wouldn't that be nice if? We read it and go, 
Okay, playbook. It's possible. If it's in here, it's possible. God, I want this. God, I want to live the kingdom. I want to live that definition. I want to be the person who is impacted with your will, your purpose, your intentions. I want to be a person who expresses your culture and reflects your nature. Let's stand together this morning. And I just want to pray a dedication over us as we step into this new season together. How many of you want this? Like you want, you want some of the kingdom of God manifested, yes? Wow. So Lord, today we come before you and we thank you, God, for what it is you say in your word. We thank you that what we read about who you are is available to each one of us. And right now we are conscious that there's a clear shifting that needs to happen. God, we've been raised in government systems. We've been raised in earthly systems, Lord, that are highly dependent on our opinion or on popular agreement. Lord, today we just declare we don't care what popular agreement is. And our opinion, we're surrendering to you. We are deciding to submit ourselves to the King of glory. Lord, whether we've been uh, saved for a, a week or whether it's been a decade or more, God, in a new measure, we surrender ourselves to your rulership, to your authority, to the King and your kingdom, how you function, how you think, your desires, your will, your culture, your nature, your law. God, we submit ourselves to who you are. We want to be Christ-like ones. We want to be those who are marked by your presence, marked by your power, marked by the fingerprints of heaven. And so God, today I pray that even as we, we begin to lean into this, God, you would unpack the word for us. God, that we would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation very obviously present in every moment that we spend in prayer, in worship, in the word, that we would see things through your lenses. God, I thank you that you help us to discern between good and evil, between what is of faith and what is of fear. God, what is wisdom and what is just self-protection? Lord, that the fire of heaven would burn brightly in us, upon us and through us. Lord, I thank you for transforming us in any area that is necessary, that we would be people marked by our King. When people experience us, they experience Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for that transformative work done in love done by grace, God. We look forward to what's ahead. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as though this was a, a classroom setting, I'm going to give you some homework this week. How many of you love reading? How many of you need to learn to love reading? All right. I'm going to recommend it. I, I know this might be a lot for some people, but I'm going to recommend that you read the book of Matthew this week. I mean, it's longish for some. Some people sit there this afternoon and do it. I want you to read the book of Matthew and highlight or underline every time you see kingdom or king. And just allow the Holy Spirit to begin prepping it in your soul. When we get into the actual instructional parts, it's going to make a lot more sense if you've got a really good foundation. So spend some time in the Word. It's going to radically change your life. Bless you. Have an awesome week this week. If you'd like prayer after the song, the prayer team will be at the front. They'd love to pray for you. But... His kingdom come. His will be done. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. 
You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.